This is The Camp with Zach Heilprin and the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Yes, welcome into The Camp. I'm Zach Heilprin. That's the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Badgers are on their bye week, but uh, still some things to talk about, Jesse. I want to get into it being four games into the season, so we're a third of the way through the regular season. Maybe give some grades, maybe give some MVPs, who's been the most impressive player, some surprises, maybe some disappointments as well. We'll get to that in a little bit, but I, there are or a couple other topics I wanted to, to hit on before we get to that. And then I think uh, we'll start with the thing that was kind of blowing up yesterday. A lot of people upset about it. The Rutgers game next week, October 7th, going to be kicking off at 11 a.m. That's never an ideal thing, I think, for fans. For us as reporters, we kind of like it because it doesn't end up taking our entire day away. But it's also going to be on Peacock. And there were some people with strong, strong, strong reactions to having to pay for Peacock to watch this game. And I I get it. I do. But one person said that uh, streaming will be the death of sports. Do you agree? Is that a little, is that an overreaction or no? Well, that person may believe so. I don't, I don't believe that's the case. If sports are going to be aired somewhere, people will find it. I get that it's annoying. It'd be annoying for me, too. If you pay for cable, if you're still out there and actually do that, or YouTube TV or whatever, and you're paying however much money a month, then you've got to go find this other thing and spend money to watch. An I mean, here's the other thing. You really have to be a true fan to want to spend the money to watch an 11 a.m. game against Rutgers. But if you're watching this podcast, you're probably one of those true fans. Well, I get it. It's annoying. But also, this is part of the package. NBC is involved now in broadcasting Big Ten football. And one of their offshoots is Peacock. This is how it is. Side note, I unintentionally have Peacock. My <laughs> wife likes The Office and a bunch of other stuff. And now that it's over there on Peacock, I just ended up getting it. So... I guess that's a win for me, except for the money you have to pay each month for Peacock. But it's 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 five ninety nine a month. I, again, people, I think it's more. I don't think it's about the money. I think it's about the principle of it for some people. Like having having already paid for your cable package and then having to having to do this on top. I also have Peacock. I, quite literally, I think I have every streaming service, and that has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with my wife. She's we don't we don't have cable. We may share a password with somebody to get ESPN, but we don't have cable. We have Hulu. We have Netflix. We have Paramount Plus. We have Peacock. We have Disney. We have wow. uh, Apple TV. Like we have them all. So it's not a huge deal for me. But if I if I was married, I pr I probably would not have Peacock. So I can understand where people are coming from. But it is they're paying a billion dollars per year to the Big Ten to do this and people's like who's making these decisions well the people that paid a billion dollars to to broadcast big 10 games that's who's paying it and the people are like well all this money going to big 10 execs i'm like well no the money's coming to the comp it's coming to the schools and then they're pumping that back into the athletic department and it's trying to improve the product on the field on the court on the ice whatever it is i understand that you don't like it you don't want it um but that's kind of what's helping wisconsin do some of these things financially that maybe they wouldn't be able to do in the past. So I mean, there, there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot that goes into it, but if you don't want to get it, don't get it. If you want to go 
use uh, certain sites that allow you to watch it without paying for it, go do it. I don't care. But this uh, this is what it's going to be. And, I, you know, if Wisconsin doesn't end up having the season at once, maybe some of those games later on are also going to end up on Peacock as well because they have the ability to, to flex games later on. Now, this one was kind of always zoned for Peacock, and so a lot of the outrage probably could have just been thrown around in August when this was originally, I think, uh, thrown out there. But it is what it is. Wisconsin will play on Peacock, and people that want to watch it want to watch it. If not, I, I had at least a couple people say that, all right, well, I'm going to end up going to the game instead because I don't want to get Peacock. Wisconsin would be, be like, thank you. We'll take that. We'll take your your hard-earned uh, money to come and watch a game that you won't pay $6 to watch on TV. That's fine. They'll be they'll, they'll be all right with that too. But it is. It's, it's unfortunate, I think, but it, it's also where the world is. And I, I kind of point this back to cable, you know, when – all these games, and there weren't as nearly as many games on TV because the NCAA had the oversight to decide, you know, the money that was coming in. Games are going to be on TV, and now it's all up at the conferences. But when some of these games started going to ESPN and going to other places that were not free, like they had been free for so long and no longer free, I'm sure there was similar outrage. But um, it is what it is. We'll see. Um, I, again, I don't think it's getting better. It's probably just going to get worse. That said. Moving on here to a few other topics. Ches Malusi. Uh, when we talked the other day, it felt like that there was a, we had seen the end of Ches Malusi, and I just hadn't thought enough about it. And he never redshirted. So he has the, so he played four, he played four years. This is his fifth year, but this could be his redshirt year. Like this was supposed to be his COVID year, right? Because he, was in college in 2020 and everyone got a free year and this was going to be his COVID year, but he played in four games. It allows him to have the ability to redshirt this year and then use his COVID year next year as a sixth year guy. What are the chances that you actually think that happens? I don't know. It, it's hard to speculate on something without actually having a chance to talk to him because what it all comes down to is what he would want to do with his life. We plenty of people, college athletes that we cover, they go through their careers and they, especially with the the COVID year and the way things have happened since 2020, there is another option on the table that wouldn't have existed before then. And they just want to move on with their life. And with Chez's situation, he's been through so much, especially the last three seasons, especially since he came to Wisconsin. He, he suffered the torn ACL, which sidelined him for the rest of the 2021 season, obviously got hurt last year. And this was supposed to be that year where he and Braylon could show what they could do it's really hard to say. Does a guy, does a guy who's already five years deep into college want to come back for a sixth year? Now, I guess the alternative thought process here is his end game in a, in a perfect world would be to go to the NFL. And if you want to showcase your talent, you got to put it more on film. And so that's a possibility. I'm sure Wisconsin would welcome him with open arms, given the, the running back situation that they have. Obviously they've got three committed prospects that are very talented but they're going to be true freshmen next season. And you'd love to have a six-year senior that you could rely on. Ultimately, though, I go back to it all comes down to what Chez wants to do. And I have to imagine at this point, probably not in that phase yet where you're ready to think about that because it, it, was, it was, as we talked about on the last show, it was so jarring and so quick. Um, and there's going to be a mourning period about the loss of all this time you put into to have this season 
and then now it's gone. If there is a silver lining, it is that he at least has the option to make this decision, but we'll have to see what he wants to do. It has to be difficult, though, to lose all this time and all these in, in these rehabs these last couple of years and now having to go through it again. Mentally, it has to be taxing. But if his end goal is the NFL, I don't think you can just say, all right, I'm going to go at this point. Um, has he played enough football? Has he showed enough for scouts to see it? Maybe. But he's also also put a lot of injuries on tape, too. And that is probably another thing that has to be at least thought about when you're the when you're an nfl team we've seen guys in past years be like oh, this would make a lot of sense for them to come back they could have another year they could show more tape and they could potentially get to the nfl a guy that i'm a guy like john torchio who you know had the opportunity to come back but was ready to go he got a couple tryouts but it never was something where he was ever going to make an nfl team would another year have helped him i don't i don't know probably not like he if he was he going to put better tape than he did last year. I, I don't think he probably was. It was probably selfish on like the fans and like wanting him to be back and come back and it makes so much sense. Come back. You're not going to be an NFL player, but I don't think guys feel like that. Some of them just want to move on and, and get the rest of their life going. So we'll see. I'd, I'd put it, I'd put it like 50, 50 at this point, I, without talking to him, that's a complete guess, but I would say 50, 50 and I'd probably lean towards no, but I guess we'll find out. Um, uh, Nathaniel Vakos, what a, maybe this would maybe go into some of the grades through the season, but big 10 special teams player of the week, seven for seven on field goals, including a, a couple 40 plus yard kicks. Um, the school record, so he's hundred percent right now. The school record is 90.5% for, uh, the season on pace with 13 games, also opportunity to break the most field goals in a single season. Does he hit either of those? Boy. I feel good about it. <laughs> I mean, he's been perfect, but 90 plus percent means if you miss two, you're in big trouble. So who's got the, who's got the record? I knew you were going to ask that. So the field goal record for a season is 22. Rich Thompson hit 22 in 1992. He also took 32 that year. So that's also the most field goals attempted in a year. In terms of field goal percentage, Matt Davenport uh, went 90.5%, 19 for 21 in 1998. Um. Rafael Gaglinoni, 16 for 18 in 2017, is the second mark. And Hafi is a freshman, 19 for 22 um, in 2014. I, I should mention this now because I'm, he'll call me out if I don't. Vitalik Vysetsky, number seven on the list, mm -hmm. 16 for 20 in 1999 as the Badgers went, and wrote, went to the Rose Bowl and won the Big Ten. Well, Vakos missed, what, three or four kicks all of last year at Ohio? Um I mean, he's not worse. He's been great. He's been everything they wanted when they got him out of the transfer portal. And the fact that you can rely on him for even that that 48 yarder that he hit last weekend, it it just shows he's got the total package. So it's still very early in his career at Wisconsin, but it's shaping up to be one of the best kickers Wisconsin's had. It is. I just wonder the number to get to that 22 would mean that some of the uh, red zone stuff isn't isn't getting better now they are perfect in the red zone they are the they've been in the red zone 18 times and they've scored 18 times that's the best mark in all college football there's other teams that are at 100 but no one is if that's 100 has been in there 18 times so that is certainly notable i think if you're a wisconsin fan you're hope that he doesn't make it because then it means you're finishing a few more drives in the red zone i think but to be able to call on a guy when it's 40 40 something yards 
that's pretty nice, right? It's pretty nice. It's, it's a weapon that changes the game, especially as we get into Big Ten play, which we've seen time and time again, these one-possession types of games. Makes all the difference in the world. One more thing before we get into our quarter poll, or excuse me, our, our third of the season look at the team. It's September 26th. The Badgers are the only Big Ten West team without a conference loss. Mm. Is the division as down as it's ever been? And would you call this season a failure if Wisconsin does not win the West? This this past weekend was not good for the Big Ten West outside of Wisconsin, and they were obviously playing another West team. I mean, Minnesota, well, I guess Northwestern had a good weekend too. They erased a 31-10 to 10 lead in the second half. Ben Bryant's one-time Wisconsin commit, former Cincinnati quarterback, former Eastern Michigan quarterback, former Cincinnati quarterback, current Northwestern quarterback, erases a lead, throws, I think they threw for over 400 yards. Like, it was just an absolutely ridiculous meltdown by Minnesota. Also very comical, I have to say, for people of a certain mind, and I'm of that mind. Uh, very funny. But also then, Iowa goes on the road, and you thought, you had seen some bad offense the last couple of years from Iowa. That was the worst offense performance they've had since 2017 when they had an even worse offense performance against Wisconsin in that game that they scored 14 points, but they were both pick sixes by Josh Jackson, Green Bay Packers legend, Josh Jackson. They, my goodness, the West is not good. The, you know, and I don't know how good Wisconsin is because I don't think Purdue's any good. We kind of mentioned that before. Still a little up in the air how good Wisconsin is, but the division itself, yikes. I believe we had this conversation last week, and this is probably going to be a weekly talking point about whether my opinion had changed on Wisconsin being the team to beat in the West. And at the time, I said, I haven't changed my opinion at all. I was the only team that hasn't lost a, a game. And Minnesota was the only team other than Wisconsin that they had a winning record in at all. Like the division sucks. Let's just call it what it is. So given that there, I didn't think the West would be all that good to begin with. It's somehow worse. And it's gotten to the point where I probably would say you'd have to consider it a failure if Wisconsin doesn't win the West because the teams just aren't very good. And I think the talent is there for Wisconsin. And you can look, you can bemoan the inconsistencies offensively, defensively, and there is a lot to bemoan, but that's because you've got high expectations. The talent is there. And the Washington State game, it doesn't look like as bad of a loss with each passing week because Washington State just beat Oregon State. And Cameron Ward looks like a potential Heisman Trophy candidate. He's getting some receiving votes in, in the athletics Heisman straw poll. And so it's just, um, I don't know how you could say if some other team wins the West, that would be a, a significant flaw for Wisconsin this year. Where's Vakos in the Heisman straw poll? Didn't receive any votes, but we're only four games into the season. What the hell, man? What the hell? The thing about the big 10 West is, and I mentioned Iowa, their schedule the rest of the way outside of coming to Wisconsin there's nobody there. They they host Michigan State. They host Purdue. They obviously come to Wisconsin uh, on October 14th, but then they get Minnesota at home. They go to Northwestern. I think Northwestern maybe that was their one shot this year on on Saturday. Maybe they'll maybe they'll jump up and surprise more teams, but I don't, that doesn't feel likely. They get Rutgers at home. They get Illinois at home, and then they go to Nebraska. 
what losses other than Wisconsin on that schedule are you looking at? I don't know that necessarily am, but Iowa, Iowa played its tough one against Penn state. Wisconsin has its tough one against Ohio state. And then you get into that situation where I was going to come to camp Randall stadium. And I don't think this is the, I mean, yeah, the West stinks, but I think you can, you win the division with one or two losses. And so Wisconsin is going to find itself in a similar position. I think whose schedule would, do you think is more difficult? watch wisconsin's or iowa's yeah well now i need to think about the crossover games that wisconsin has they got rutgers on peacock obviously yeah ohio state and indiana and indiana at indiana and Um, the other and iowa's crossover games penn state rutgers and um michigan state i don't know it's i must feel like it's like negligible and the difference is that Iowa's got to come to Wisconsin. I mean, Wisconsin's got to play Minnesota at Minnesota in the regular season finale, but I, I would feel much, I just feel much better about Wisconsin because. That's not, the, I, that's not the I question, was, though, right? That's I was the, offense. Well, right. But, but if you, if I was offense stinks in the way that it does, then how can you have much confidence that, I mean, that they're just going to run the table or lose to Wisconsin, but win all the other games. Did you see how amazing, um, the great Deacon Hill looked like on Saturday night. When you look at the two statistical, if you look at the box score and you see what Cade McNamara did and you see what Deacon Hill did, I don't know if you want to go look that up real quick, but if you, if you see the the box score between the two, I think it's pretty clear who you need to start uh, going forward in the rest of the season. Well, you obviously know the stats by heart. So let me have it. Well, I don't have it by heart. That's why I wanted you to go look it up, but I know that Deacon Hill completed 50% of his passes, and I know Cade McNamara did not. I know Cade, Cade McNamara, uh, McNamara turned the ball over. I know Deacon Hill did not. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I, I think if you look at the if you look at the box score and you see the numbers for one guy and you see the numbers for the other guy, I think it's pretty clear. I think it's pretty clear. I think it's pretty clear. All right, let's get into some of these uh, – this, this look at the four games of the season, a third of the way through the season, the regular season – um, wanted to get into this and ask you some questions, see where your mind is at with this team. Who has been the best player for Wisconsin? Not the MVP, but the best player for Wisconsin through the first four games. The best player, I've got to go with Hunter Wohler. Um, yeah, he's got 41 tackles in four games. He's averaging 10-plus tackles a game. He had the two picks and a sack in the same game, got the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week. I think he's been every bit as good as people hoped he could be when transitioning to this defense. And and really, and this is a good segue because I'm writing about him for this week. I had a chance to talk with him one-on-one last week. Like this, this is who he could have been last year. He started the first game and then he got hurt. And so we basically had to wait an extra year to be the player that most people around the state, I suspect, knew he was capable of this. I think it's Big Ten wide and anybody who's paying attention to Wisconsin beyond that, that's really seeing how good he is because he was so talented coming out of high school. It was kind of, sometimes you can, it doesn't always pan out, but sometimes you can see a guy and be like, all right, that dude is a dude. And when he gets a shot, he's going to be the man. And and now he's doing it. So for me, it's the consistency with which he's played that makes me think he's had the best season so far. You think this is his last season at Wisconsin? Oh, man. I don't, no, not, I'm not, I don't think that, so. But he hasn't had that good of a season? Well, it's just he's four games into the season. It's so I mean, what if what would it take for some you'd have to feel like you'd be an early round pick, I think. I, I and also as an in-state guy, 
I think there's an added layer of what, what it means to play here. And I don't know what it would take for a player like him to be viewed as a first three round kind of guy. Let's say he does average 10 tackles a game. I, I don't know if that automatically guarantees anything. So yeah, it's so early for me to speculate on that. But at this point, I, I'd be a little bit surprised if he wasn't here for a senior year, but you never know. I mean, Leo Chanel, fantastic junior year, big 10 defensive player or was a defensive player of the year linebacker of the year for sure is like you gotta go so we'll see all right uh different than that best player mvp but i want your what's your answer here well my best i mean it's clear it's very clear that it's hunter wolder i I don't think we need to jump into it even more who's been the best player uh I, i think it's been far and away him. He's been the one that's been yeah. cons- consistent every single game. He's been there every single game. Well, you know, Tanner Mordecai's jumped up and Braylon Allen's jumped up. It's been Hunter Wohler every single game. Yeah. Yeah. So your MVP. This one is really hard. Um, I don't think I can give it to Wohler because I think the defense as a whole has had some issues, which I imagine we'll get into. Honestly, I'm inclined to go with Tanner Mordecai, um, which is strange because if you just looked at the box score, you would see, okay, this guy was going to come in here and maybe break records. He's got two touchdown passes and three interceptions. What the hell, man? But if you watch what he's doing, he's been so steady. He makes such smart decisions. He does have four rushing touchdowns, and you can't ignore that. His mobility is a difference maker, and generally he's giving guys opportunities to make plays. And again, he's got the ball in his hands on every snap. So I, despite the fact that the, the numbers may not say as much, I think he's been the MVP so far because of what he's been able to do. And I, I do think this offense is going to continue to get better and better. The storyline the first three games was how it wasn't very good in the first half. They just blew the doors open. It with three touchdowns and three drives and Tanner Mordecai was right in the thick of it, obviously with two rushing touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, that game was a lot closer than it needed to be because of their inability to finish in the red zone in the second half, but, and, and obviously the defense not getting off the field and not being able to stop a anemic Russian attack, or at least a Russian attack that had been anemic coming into the game, but the way they started put Purdue on its heels and they never recovered. And Tanner Mordecai was obviously a huge part of that. So yeah, MVP for him. I think you could probably say Braylon as well. I mean, the one game that he did not play well or didn't uh, show up, that's that's unfair. The one the one game where the statistics don't show, uh, he didn't have a very good game. All right, I'm just going to go there. He just didn't have a very good game against Washington State. The offense in general wasn't clicking. The running game in general wasn't clicking against Washington State, and they lost that game. So his importance to this team and his importance to be able to put the ball and and run it so huge. And it's even bigger now. Like, I think he kind of is going to take on even more uh, of a role. I know we kind of talked about that on Sunday. I don't think you want to overuse him because we see what happens at the end of the year or the past two years, but they're so little experience behind him that they're going to have to rely on him to, for an even greater workload, I think um, moving forward. Right. Braylon, I mean, he would be the other one that I would have thought about because he's got six touchdowns. He's averaging over seven yards a carry, which is kind of amazing when you consider that this hasn't been the year that 
anybody thought he would have, but a lot of that has to do with the injuries. And, and you're right with Chez out, it completely changes the math on what Wisconsin staff has to do. And I wrote about this after the game, but look at what happened the, the two previous seasons when Chez was hurt. Now there's a little bit different situation because Chez was the starter in, in Braylon's first year, but Braylon ended up averaging like 23 carries a game over those final four games. He carried 29 times in the bowl game. And then when Chez got hurt last year, Braylon averaged about 22 plus carries. And we know Luke Fickle said before in an ideal world, Braylon carries 18 times for 140 yards. But if you're not giving Braylon the ball, then that presumably means you're giving the ball to Jackson Aker. And while I think he's a, a very talented player, Braylon and Chez were going to form one of the top tandems in the country at running back. And so it's a delicate balance that this staff has to make, but I do think ultimately what ends up happening is Braylon's got to shoulder a little bit more of the load as long as he can stay healthy. I don't think that means 23 carries, but I do think it's consistently a few more and let's see what happens. Problem is he's already dinged up. And I know. Whether, and maybe whether, the bye week is what makes a difference. Maybe if you're Wisconsin, you have to be hoping that. So we'll see. All right. Um, continuing on here. Biggest surprise to this point in the season. Well, we could go any number of ways here. Um, I my first thought is Tucker Ashcraft, just because I go back to a surprise is okay, where did you think things were gonna where what did you think things were gonna look like when fall camp began? And when fall camp began, well, two days before it began, I thought, oh, Jack Eschenbach, Clay Cundiff, Hayden Rucci, there's your top three. And then it was um then it was obviously Jack Pugh in there and Riley Nowakowski. And we know that Pugh hasn't been available for personal reasons. nokowski has been hurt. And for a true freshman to come in and, and do what Ashcraft has done, get the snaps that he's done. I absolutely did not see that coming. So that to me has been probably one of the biggest surprises. That's up there. I think it's the rotation at corner between Alex Smith or Alexander Smith and Nizier Forkreen because everyone expected Alex to be like their top corner. And the way that they're rotating, and it's not 50-50, but it's it's a lot more rotation than is happening with Ricardo Holman, who has played all, all feels like almost every snap on defense. I know it's not, but it feels like it's he he's played nearly every snap on defense to this point. And there's there's no rotation there with him and somebody else. It's just almost all you know between Nizir and Alexander Smith. So that one kind of stands out to me. Um, there's some. Negative surprises, but I think that goes into the next category and biggest disappointment. And I, I feel, I don't feel great about doing this, but um, what's your biggest disappointment to this point? Well, I want to say defensively, um, you know, it's, it's tough to pick an individual player for this. Like sure. I think Kamoe Latu has certainly in the first two games struggled and and given what we, thought was possible for him based on last year that was surprising but I think it speaks to I mean, just the defensive performance in general and I wrote about this this week it, it's a small sample size but it's a large enough sample size that illustrates what's been going on here this season and they've had yes they haven't given up a ton of points but they've given up a ton of yards and that has to be uh, a concern I mean they it's, it's in a variety of ways I know that quarterbacks are throwing the ball a lot on them, but they've given up more passing yards per game than at any point in any season ever. Um, and that, that may come down, but I think that's notable. There's been missed tackles, missed assignments. And I think Jake Cheney, I mean, he, he was probably 
one of the better quotes after that Purdue game because he was just being honest about how disappointed he was in the defensive performance. And he includes himself in that. I sort of assumed, well, this defense has been good for a decade. Mike Trestle's got good credentials. There's a lot of talented players here. They're essentially going to pick up where they left off. And there have been strong moments and good players, but it's taking more time than I thought. Yeah, for sure. My biggest, biggest disappointment to this point is the lack of being clean. We heard about, we heard Luke Fickle talk about playing clean football. And I thought for the first two games, it kind of did. And they had seven penalties through the first two games. They've got 19 penalties in the last two games. That to me is probably unacceptable. And so many of them are not physical mistakes. They're mental mistakes. We, we saw the guys line up improperly against Georgia Southern. You had how many false starts against Purdue. It was just a really, really tough, tough thing to see. And you would think with the veterans that they have in the places where these are happening, specifically along the offensive line, you would not expect that to be the case. These guys have started a ton of football. And I understand that the clap and the clap aspect of this is a little bit different, but that is a huge, huge disappointment to this point. And I, if you want to extend that a little bit, I think, you know, I thought Jack Nelson would have a better season than he's had to this point. That's not saying that he can't, can, you know, get better. Maybe he's dealing with stuff. I don't know, but the biggest disappointment, like that's just, that's an unfair thing just to put on a single guy, just the, the lack of straight up being clean. That is a little bit of a surprise. I didn't think that they would have an issue with that. And so you could go biggest surprise, biggest disappointment. I think either with that biggest disappointment for me. So. I think that's fair. I think that's fair because these are some of the same issues that plagued the team when it wasn't very good the last few years. And maybe it speaks to it. all of this takes a little bit longer than anybody wanted, but I believe it was six false start penalties in that game against Purdue four on the offensive line, two on special teams and just can't have that. No, you can't. And the other penalties in that game, a couple more holding, you know, it was, wasn't a great day for the offensive line, even though they opened up some nice holes for, for Braylon and they, they kept some great pass protection for, for Tanner. Like he was barely touched. He was able, how long was he able to stand, stand back there? I know it was a three man rush, but like how, how long was he able to stand back there and, and look around before he ended up running the ball in for the touchdown? It was, it was took, he was back there forever. So there were, there have been a ton of positives along the offensive line this year. There have been, it's just, if I'm asked for a biggest disappointment, the penalties are just, I think they would say this unacceptable, unacceptable to continue to have those issues. Um, all right. Some grades, your grade for the offense to this point. Hmm, that's tough. Um, I'm not going to be overly harsh because I think there've been some really good moments. I'm going to go with a B minus. Um, because it's more about consistency. Like when they are at their very best, man, it's so entertaining. Um, but there's a lot more to give. Yeah, I would. I mean, they're they're ranked 46 in the country in total offense to this point. They have been pretty balanced. I mean, they got it's 806 yards passing and 904 yards rushing to this point. I think you have to be pretty excuse me the other way around the other way around 806 yards rushing 904 yards passing that type of balance is exactly what I think a lot of people were hoping that was going to be the case going to the season 
Could it have been better? Yes. I'm 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 gonna go with B. I'm gonna go with B. I'm a I'm a little bit fairer greater than you are. I, I think I think what we saw against Purdue gives me a lot of hope for the rest of the year, for sure. Because they are they close. Did they click the entire night? Absolutely not. But are they closer to clicking? Yes. Now, how good is Purdue? Irrelevant. If you're getting that type of um, confidence in yourself, I think it's a good building block. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with a B. You're great for the defense to this point. Or did you want to get, sorry, go ahead. One one, one more thing on the offense. Like I completely agree with you. I, I look at it more of what they've put on tape through the first four games. Like I am way more encouraged after watching what they did get against Purdue. I, but I also think you can't ignore that they were outscored in the first half of the first three games and uh, didn't put away two teams that absolutely they should be putting their, you know, the pedal to the metal on. Um, but yes, I I'm definitely encouraged and think moving forward, they're going to be a lot better. Um, Great for the defense. Defensively. It's tough because they haven't given up a ton of points. Obviously, the Washington State game, notwithstanding, you give up 30 plus, you're going to be in a not a great spot. Didn't help that the offense offense gave them a touchdown. So I can't put it all on the defense, but I'm going to go with a C. Um, I just they've been average like they're not they're not a terrible defense. They're just not the dominant defense that we've come to know over these last several years where you look and they're in the top five and a lot of the major statistical categories, they're just kind of average to slightly above average in a lot of these categories. And I, I think this has been a key talking point among the fan base um, that like where, why aren't there more playmakers or why are they using this type of defense? And it's like the offense. I, I think it's going to take some time. I don't know how much of this has to do with, getting your own personnel in and like I don't know I mean I'd love to ask Mike Tressel about this just like what what are his thoughts on the way things have gone through the first month of the regular season um I do think it's interesting and I put this in the story they've had they've had six defensive backs on the field and and I know that one of those plays essentially as a linebacker but for more snaps than any other team in the country um and and it's like 149 snaps and only three other teams have had hundred plus snaps with six DBs on the field. So like, they're definitely doing some really different things and it's been effective at times. I think they have four picks at it with, with six DBs are on the field, but they're also giving up a ton of big plays and it's just, it hasn't been good enough. And the guys are the first people to say the exact same thing. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that grade makes sense. I think that grade makes sense. Special teams. Well, Nathaniel Vacos, A plus uh, plus, kickoffs, D minus. You can't have three. <laughs> you can't have three kickoffs go out of bounds. Um, you know, in the return game, I, I can't. I mean, Chimray DK had a good. He's been really good, I think. Um, yep. So I guess you know, B B plus. Like they're good elements, but yeah, that's where I'm at. If you take away, I mean, if you take away the kickoffs, I think they've been pretty pretty good. Pretty mm-hmm. good. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, had the one penalty, uh, the line up incorrectly. I believe that was, I think that was Georgia Southern. Well, they had. Let's see, Vinny Anthony had a false start as a gunner um, against Purdue. But uh, I, I mean, even it, the punting, punting's been. It, it, I don't think it's been a significant issue at this point. So I'll yeah. go B plus. All right. Uh, before the season, we did our season predictions. I guess they're both still possible. Uh, i'll remind people of it uh jesse went 10 and 2 i went one game better than that i'm not gonna 
actually say the record. Would you like a, a redo of your prediction? Are you going to stick with 10 and 2? I'm staying with it. Why backtrack now when it's still in play? And I've got a loss to play with. You do not. I do not. I do not. I think 10 and 2 is probably more realistic at this point, maybe even 9 and 3, just based on what we've seen. I think there's, Ohio State's going to be a very, very tough game. I'm still on record. That's still that's still the bold prediction. That's still my bold prediction for the year. I think we both went there before the year. But yeah, I I'm gonna I'll probably lock in nine and three at this point. Okay. So I'm I'm awesome. I'm okay with changing it up. Do you have a bold prediction for the rest of the season other than them beating Ohio State? Um, I'm gonna stick with that one. And I mean, if Wisconsin puts eleven guys on defense on the field instead of 10 you know they'll probably have a decent shot that was so pathetic i don't know <laughs> that was so pathetic like it happened back-to-back plays and it happened coming out of a timeout yeah it wasn't like in the oh <laughs> we things were so crazy going on it came out of a timeout you only had 10 guys out there and he didn't realize it until it was too late on the next play so that's very tough and then i've seen them being like oh yeah we have a signal if it happens again how about you just don't you know have it happen again right if it happens again everyone should probably be fired because it shouldn't happen one time right much less two in the biggest moment of the of your season i've already i'll be honest i i don't i'm not i didn't really have a rooting interest in that game but it was it was a fun game to watch like just the back and forth of it was really really fun to watch but to end that way and then just to get killed on social media with all the images of them missing the defensive lineman of exactly where Ohio State ran the ball. That was amazing. That yeah. was amazing. It was it was a fun late Saturday night because obviously that game played out that way. And then you're able to flip over and watch Minnesota just choke away uh, a win. I mean, just snatching defeat from the jaws of victory there for Minnesota and PJ Fleck was it was a great way to end the night. It was a great way to end the night. Very funny. And being able to watch football all weekend after getting home from West Lafayette, that was fun. I'm guessing you did not have the same uh, weekend experience, but um, it was good. And now we get another weekend off, but we'll be out, we'll be out at uh, Monks in Sun Prairie on Thursday night. It's a big night because obviously the Packers also play. The, we're obviously the lead into the Packers. Everyone going to be focusing in on us and then switching their focus to the Packers. Uh, come out to come out to Monks in Sun Prairie, watch the game. There's uh, Jello shots for every single touchdown that the Packers score. Would have had quite a few. Uh, not too many, I should say, this past weekend, but they've they're they're still still interesting team, interesting team. So come out and watch it. Come out and see us, and uh, looking forward to that. Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right, there he is, Jesse Temple from the Athletic. You've been listening to the camp.